Hello, Tune In listeners. I am your host, Keila Parkinson, and you are listening, as always, to Tune In Radio for your mind, body, and soul. And today we are talking about mindfulness in a way that you maybe would not expect. It's mindfulness about um, vision boards. It's mindfulness about creative content. It's mindfulness about writing exercises. It's really mindfulness about getting to know yourself inside and out through using your hands, through making things, through even writing a book and sharing what you've learned with others because our guest today has done exactly that. Please help me welcome to the show, Jane Lump. Hi, Jane. Hi, Keila. <laughs> Jane is a nice colleague of mine. I, nice to see you. <clears throat> Jane is a colleague of mine I've known for years. We won't say how many years. And <laughs> locally here in Northwest Indiana, our show, of course, is recorded in beautiful Valparaiso, Indiana, the Vale of Paradise. And Jane and I are uh, remotely connected today through Zoom, and uh, we are recording some of our content. So you may be able to find our faces sharing this conversation as well. But today, uh, we are so excited to announce that Jane has just launched a new book. Tell us about the book. Tell us about its title and its contents. Can I do show and tell? Show and tell. (laughs) The book is called Run With Scissors, which is a kind of a funny name, I suppose. Um, But I kept going around and around about the name. It started out to be Lessons from the Heart. Mm. Because what I had realized is that over my life and my career, there were things that I had learned that if I'd known sooner might have been helpful. I also realized that many of the things that I had learned really sort of flew in the face of conventional wisdom. So the book started to be Lessons from the Heart, but eventually I realized that many of my lessons were sort of contrarian points of view about um, things like Run With Scissors. And Run With Scissors (laughs) became the title. The sort of the ultimate example of the kind of advice you get, don't run with scissors, (laughs) that you might follow your whole life and actually end up at some point realizing you missed out on some cool things. Mm. Because I think that um, avoiding risk is something that many of us have been really taught to internalize and be careful about, but avoiding all risks creates sort of a dull and maybe not as exciting life as you might have been meant to live. That's a really wonderful point. You know, I have, I say, it's so funny. I have young children and I'm saying all the time now, don't run with your scissors, right? Don't run with scissors. And it's, I, I laugh about it almost every time I say it because I'm like, oh, that's a really a thing, right? Because it's been such a, such a euphemism that means something for so long, right? <clears throat> and I love that you're taking the adage, you're flipping it on its head. Um, when my children are running with their scissors, they're typically holding them the safe way that they're taught nowadays, which is not how I was taught to hold them handled and point down it's you hold them around the actual (laughs) danger part right and the inside of me is screaming like oh we're not supposed to be touching this like this barehanded right because of all that conditioning from the past so it's very funny to me but when they're doing that and they're running I'm thinking what if they do trip with them they're just going to fall down with them in their hands it's not that big of a deal right and um and when they're running with the scissors it's because they're really excited to create and make something they've just gone to grab their scissors to do right Yeah, and and to squelch that right at that point is probably the worst thing you could do. And I think about sort of in my mind, it went from don't run with scissors to, you know, any stick or anything you might have in your mind, you'll poke your eye out. You'll poke your eye out. It's all. (laughs) 
think back about it, how many people do you know that are, have only one eye? <laughs> I you know? know, I mean, it's not that common. It's if not it that were, common. every time you ran with a stick or a sharp object, you poked your eye out. There'd be a lot of people with those little oh, so mask things. On, and there's very few. I, have, I don't encounter any in my day-to-day life. <laughs> it's true. It's not that common. And, um, you know, and, and these things, they, they help us. Like, like one of your chapters is titled, right? You have one... One that's also about running the scissors, in addition to the whole book being titled Roma Scissors. And then you have one called Collaring Outside the Lines, right? So um, I love, you know, we're taking these things and we're saying, like, but every once in a while, break the rules. Every once in a while, take a risk. And, like, and the the challenge is, I think, when to know when to do it and when not to. So um, why don't you tell us some of the great, we're going to get into, like, why you decided to write it, you know, because Lessons from the Heart is amazing. Clearly, that's a story we want to hear. But, But what are some of the exercises that people can find in this great book well so I find when I work with my clients and when I meet with some of my ladies groups that I facilitate a mastermind group that people tend to have sort of little paths that their mind goes down you know I always think of your brain as this forest and you Mm. go through it in a certain way you create a certain path through the trees it's a lot easier to go that same path the next time the same path the next time the same path the next time right pretty soon you have a nice warm path and it's real easy to run right through the forest but what happens is that's if your brain thinks in those same patterns over and over and over again then you end up with that rut and then to go out of that rut is really hard. So one of the things I find when I work with my clients is that, you know, if I ask them, what do you think? They'll say three things, right? And so then I'll step back and say, well, tell me about this thing. And when do you experience that thing? And why do you believe that thing? And what if that thing isn't true? What are some of the ways that branch goes out? I'm oftentimes using mind mapping, which is a tool I talk about in the book. Um, And I, I use it for all kinds of things. But um, I thought it was interesting that I've used it recently just oh, so to figure pretty. out my marketing approach for the book. Oh, it's you know, so because pretty, Jane. <laughs> <laughs> mind mapping just puts you in um, a radiant thinking mode, right? Instead of if you learn diagramming in school, you learned if you have an A, you have to have a B. And if you have a 1, you have to have a 2. And right. bullet points. And if you start even to think what's a one and what's a two, what's an A and what's a B, you've started to organize. And I'm always telling people that um, if you got dealt a a hand of cards, right, if you play poker or spades or whatever it is your game is, you have those cards and you can put them in your hand in different ways. You can do runs and suits. You put all the nines together. You can put all the diamonds together. You can um, organize them in different ways. And how you organize them probably impacts how you play them because it's very difficult to keep all the different possible combinations in your mind at any given time and so organizing too soon is a problem and um i always talk about it as premature organization Mm. which is you know a a little um salty perhaps (laughs) just just salty enough It's just, um, you just really don't want to organize before it's time. So stay loose till rigor counts. Get as much stuff out on the paper as you can because it's those edges of the page where you're reaching the end of a branch after a branch. And oftentimes I find that's why it's useful for my clients to use a coach in the Mm. process because 
when you ask another question and another question, you get to the thing you haven't really allowed yourself to think about. Your, your subconscious mind may be thinking about it all the time, and you may be worried about it and careful about it and have messages that someone gave you that aren't true. Yes. But all of those things don't come out until you push it to the edge. So pushing stuff to the edge of the paper by using mind mapping is one of the things. I also, I just give people ways to... Um, put it all out and then go back to organize it in ways they might not have done that before. So the exercises in the book ask you to do that, whether it's saying, you know, you've got 24 hours in your day, take one sticky note for each, put 24 sticky notes on a piece of paper and tell me what you're going to spend your time on. So Mm -hmm. if you need a half hour to get ready in the morning and an hour to get the kids ready and their lunches made and write that on the sticky notes and put it down. And when I work with a group of women on that, they almost all go, oh, can I have some more sticky? Yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, there's 24 <laughs> yeah, hours no. in a day. That's all we get. <laughs> and then they're like, well, can I have some scissors? And they start cutting them in little tiny pieces. Oh, that's and, funny. you know, trying to make 10 things happen during an hour. Yeah. And eventually they have to realize, and you know what they always do first, and I mm. think this is very women-like, I think they oftentimes do um, – take out their time, you know? Right. So they did allow themselves one hour for that or two hours for that series they're trying to watch on Netflix or um, whatever, Amazon. And they take that out because it's like, well, wait, I can't help the kids with their homework and, you know, get my husband's stuff from the dry cleaners. And, you know, (laughs) the woman tends to have all these responsibilities. So what it does when you get, and this is actually kind of a different exercise, but just say you get your pieces of, paper stuck on it and you realize that there are no more hours and there are things that are left over it gives you a concrete way to look at it yourself and make some choices but it also gives you a way to talk to other possible partners right mm, yeah. so your spouse might fold the laundry if he truly realized what your hour by hour day looks like yeah and it's a less um it's a less confrontational and threat threatening way than saying you never help me or you know <laughs> yeah. if you could just fold the laundry it actually puts those things into um sort of an objective decision making grid and that's mm-hmm. what i try to do with my clients is give them ideas to help them loosen up and then tools to help them tighten down oh i like it so that the loosening up and tightening down and these what I love about all the exercises you share in this book and all the workshops that you teach um, is that you make it very interactive right it's very much about using our hands and our brains together so we're really like immersed in learning the lessons and having those aha moments which is very cool you know what we didn't do when I introduced you is we didn't really tell people what you do here in Northwest Indiana and all the hats that you have worn, you know, throughout Chicagoland and and other parts of the Midwest. So why don't you give our listeners a little bit of a background as to what you've done? And then I want to move into a great, I think, um, very fitting story that you shared in that chapter about coloring outside the lines about the uh, first draft, perfect drafts. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the first draft, perfect, perfect draft comes from a time in my life when I was teaching English. And I actually went to college to be an English teacher and specifically a writing teacher. I was in rhetoric At and Ball State. Go Cardinals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're both Ball State, State alumni. And yeah. In my master's and my PhD work at Purdue. Okay. And so I had this whole background in communication, primarily in a more formal kind of communication. Mm-hmm. And I 
went to teach that. I taught one year of high school and decided that wasn't for me. Then I taught at um, Valparaiso University for five years. And then um, I got an offer for a job in Chicago where I would be a communication consultant and I would help big organizations communicate important things to their employees. And it was right when ERISA was passing, that's how old I am, but you know, there were certain things employers were mandated to tell their employees about, certain employment practices and benefits. So I started doing that and it was for me a real challenge to juggle that left and right brain, you know, like I'm having to interpret ERISA regs and put it down in a way that I was adamant employees would want to and be able to read. So that got me doing a lot of flow charts and, you know, so when you go to the dentist, how much is your deductible? How much is restorative? How much Mm. is cleaning? That stuff would all be in these long paragraphs. And I thought, you know, if a little picture could show a box for this and a box for that and that flow to this and that. So I tended to think in those kinds of ways and push that kind of a narrative. So during my time in consulting, I was able to um, be on the professional development committee and that allowed me to bring in some ideas. I had been looking and taking on my own seminars in how to visually present graphic data, how to, you know, the Edward Tufte and, and we had used um, Michael Gelb for mind mapping and I got to go to his training, you know, and then bring that back and teach that within the firm and not so much teach it myself, but organize so that all of it was done. And then we did um, different kinds of creative problem solving. On my own, I took graphic mapping. Those were all things that appealed to me, ways that you could take visuals and use those to combine with words for more power. Because I, I think there is this thing going on between, and it's over oversimplified to say mm. right and left brain, but sure. there is one side of the brain that thinks in colors and images and one side of the brain that thinks in words and numbers. And you really want to be able to combine the two. And so that I always picture that these two sides of the brain are there and there's like lightning bolts going through the middle when, ah. when you really fire them both up, which is why color, smell, you know, I, I take yes. um, little cans of Play-Doh into workshops and ask people to open the Play-Doh and they just sit and sniff it, you know? And <laughs> to me, that is wonderful because adults yeah. forget that play, play is where all of your creativity oh. and excitement lies, you so know? Good. So so good i I wish that we could take the listeners and just like be like get out your play-doh now let's all open it with our fingers right like i just really have that you know emotion that that connection to it and that going to like what does it remind you of does it take you to childhood does it take you to this right does it take you to a specific experience that you liked or didn't like and then and then and then using it to create something new right you really are working with the brain when you teach people this and also infographics i mean like they're so great like everything is infographics now right like everything on social media if you want to know something i have a million pinterest boards to teach me things i need to learn just through infographics you know it's just like it's so fun and so you were like one of the originators of the whole concept of infographics by helping these big corporations disseminate their info in these memorable ways and i just love that it's so cool Well, my, my, um, one of my most serious clients since I was on my own in that area was the Society of Actuaries, mm. you know, and those guys are not known for their colors and their fun. Or their know? jokes, they're yeah. <laughs> uh, numbers guys who are thinking 30 years out, what's the probability yeah. of something happening? 
But we ended up doing a whole series of infographics about running out of money in retirement. What were some of the biggest triggers that would have that happen? And first of all, it was very depressing for me. Yes. I was like, oh, Lord, yeah. <laughs> I need to go back to 30 and start saving again. But on the other hand, you know, turning those into, you know, things that people could grab and yep. they would have a chart that would just be unintelligible to me. And I'd have to turn that into so many little people um, you know, I, I feel like the government's doing a much better job of that yes. now. I feel like a lot of people are. Some are still way too dense. You go, you look at it. There's a, there's a graphic going around right now from the State Department of Health where the people who are vaccinated and not sick are red and the other people who are sick and who are unvaccinated are blue. And I'm like, you know, I kind of I don't think the color coding is right on that. Yeah. And people make decisions about little things yep. like the yep. pool or you know is it a road map is it a people sitting on a park bench there's all kinds of ways that you can infographic yes. something but it really means getting inside what you're trying to say both yes. on a thematic and a factual way yeah you know and really really working with that branding i have to take a quick station identification break and then we're going to get into a little bit more of how your career has evolved and how and how you you've gained these lessons that you're sharing with us now listeners you are listening to tune in radio for your mind body and soul on 103.1 fm wvlp that is also streaming live around the world at wvlp.org and you can find this show tune in online um, at your favorite podcasting spot or you can go directly to anchor.fm slash tune in mindful radio today's show is underwritten in part by kiki productions inc communications coaching teaching exercises to help you cycle out of fight or flight in the moment with a mission to create individual harmony to add peace to the world kiki productions inc's philosophy is when you are confident focused and authentic with your message you are a magnet to those you wish to attract so share the love at coachkiki.com. We are talking today on Tune In with Jane Lump, who is a communications everything. Communications. She's been a coach. She's been a writer. She's been a teacher. She's now an author. And she has all kinds of great data that she has helped other people disseminate through infographics, through full branding. I think you've done some branding for people, right? I, you know, pretty much name it. If it has words and a message, Jane has done this and she has done it well and beautifully. And, and it, I'm very attracted to everything she's done. So, um, so let's, I want to share with the listeners a little bit more about your, um, career arc. And then let's go back to that great anecdote of, um, first draft, perfect draft that you got early on. <laughs> well, um, so the career thing really went from being in my own in a big consult global consulting firm with you know people around the world working on projects on the panama canal and all kinds of interest in change management projects but really always being drawn to that more you know um hands-on letting you know what i found about consulting was that you think that you can just fix the client's problem this Mm. was a big aha uh-huh, for my coaching too because people come to you here's my problem and you want to go okay here let me fix it there you go and you know that doesn't take you know if yes. you just go off and sit and hand it back what what really you know it's the teach a man to fish adage yes. you know if you actually work with them to solve the problem you have a problem that will stick and you have people who own the stick when you walk away they own the solution and so it lasts so one of the things that um, I used to do is 
really focus on how to engage my client in the problem and in looking for ways to solve it together. So that kind of led me when I left the big consulting firms to start my business, Strategic Innovation. And I wanted to be, I named it Strategic Innovation because I wanted to be business-like, but I also wanted to find clients. And I had several of them um, in the big firm I was in, and some of them followed me to my own firm, like SC Johnson Wax, Mm -hmm. where the people there spent time invested in problem solving. They had had the same um, seven-step problem solving training that I had taken from the people at Boston College. You know, there were lots of companies that really got it, and they invested in their people. They invested in innovation. They wanted to, um, and you know, S.C. Johnson Wax always was an innovator, you know, Mm -hmm. and I went to this training that I found out that when they first did the plug-in insect insect repellents, it had been developed in a brainstorming session in that training where they were going, well, what attracts bugs? Well, heat and movement. Well, if the thing's flew and it heated up, you know, it had a bulb in it. Well, that kind of stuff, if you stay at your own desk and look for another chemical to kill the mosquitoes, (laughs) you know, you don't move that way. So it's really breaking that mold and breaking out of the usual and going for the aha moment. Mm-hmm. And there, one of the things that Synectics, that training said was there's a really thin line between aha and ha-ha. And I love that <laughs> because great. I want my clients to never heard it. Working. Yeah. Yeah. Laughing. We be ha-haing. And in that laughter and in that sort of moment of energy, oftentimes there's a real aha. And if you can, figure out how to keep the ahas going and still get them down and then develop them, then you really have a powerful tool, Mm -hmm. a powerful innovation engine. I love it. And also, you know, I, I, the brilliance of your name, strategic innovation, even though I've known it for years and have heard it and and I get the backstory behind it, like, you know, also knowing so much work that you've done with our business community locally on marrying the right and left brain. I'm just like, Oh, it's so it's so perfect. It's like even the name is an infographic, right? It's and and it is too because you did that with your branding too, right? It was like you know there was like the 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 word strategic and then there was like a little floral bit with the innovation part where that you know you could flourish and be creative and I just love it. So cool. <laughs> the little pizzas spinning around and my yes. thought is that if all the pieces are involved and they all get a pattern, mm. you know they, they so. Um, have you, if you've looked at chaos theory, they show um, you can watch chaos theory with birds migrating. You know, they're all over the screen and they, they do that um, a simulator too, where they put all these dots on the screen. And the only rule is that the dots have to maintain a certain distance from okay. each other. So there has to be so much space. So then they start all the dots moving and they all keep distant from each other. But in a short time, they form like a swarm, almost like. Um, geese going you know yes. south and they they get a leader and there's a whole bunch behind them and you know they do that out of one simple rule stay at least three inches from everybody else or mm-hmm. whatever yeah right and it patterns so one of the things I think organizations do and we do to our lives is try to impose a pattern too soon instead of letting mm-hmm. the pattern emerge so that's um, that means you have to stay calm. That means you have to have a little faith. That means you have to maybe do some good yoga practice. Yeah, and right. The other things to talk about. Exactly, which I think is why we're so on the same page. Yeah. I maybe come from the business side. You come from the softer side or the, I don't know, the um, interpersonal side. 
I love that's why we're so good together. Why yeah, like yeah. Stuff so because, <clears throat> yeah. Um, it you know it is the sort of marriage of the two. And if you went into a boardroom with a bunch of men in suits with red ties and you know starch collars and said, "Well, let's draw on the board," they they don't want to play. Yeah. You know. Yeah. On the other hand, I oftentimes start with sort of one graphic that's a three circles that overlap client think or climate thinking and and um climate thinking and listening okay no there's a third i'm sorry That's climate right. thinking and action climate action. thinking and action brain brain yeah down there. that's okay but climate thinking and action if you get all three going you know if you just do thinking if you just move into action before you think those things neither of those works on their own but if you create the right climate where people feel trustworthy trusted confident calm creative all of those things bring the best to the room and you get good solutions so businessmen will and i shouldn't say businessmen it's business women too but it's just that so often yeah. i told gail i think the story of going to my first senior partners meeting um in the big firm i was in it was a global senior partner meeting mm. there were 200 people there and there were like six women yeah four women something like that wow. and then they had a dance yes i, I think that's hilarious that. oh my there gosh square dance, that's hilarious know? and then there was a square dance that's hilarious and they and they didn't have their they, they bring their like wives or dates or were you guys in oh, no but there was <laughs> lots of people to dance with and oh, i just good. had to yeah, you know, they really did not know oh, my. what to do with women yeah yeah, women are gonna everybody dance with them. Yeah, in the eighties. Oh I mean, so this is a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the other reason I wrote the book, and so the book is about business stuff, but it's also about lessons learned in a broader mm -hmm. sense too. Mm -hmm. So I graduated from college in the mid seventies. I'm really old, but um, at that Very time, wise. A, a woman could not get a car loan without yeah. her father right. or her husband signing. Right. A woman could not have a credit card unless there was a man on it. You know, and I think what's interesting, and you know, when you went off to business, you had to wear a white shirt. I know, Kayla, you yeah. did this too. Yeah. You know, a blouse the business and a jacket, blazer, the shoulder pads. Uh, yeah. Yes. Silk tie. Yes. Silk tie, yes. Yes. Man's tie. You know, pumps, the whole thing to be, um, looking as much like a man as you yeah. could to be able to sit in one of the seats. And so often there weren't very many seats for women and there still aren't, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So part of my writing the book was also wanting to share some of the lessons about that and hope that some of the young women who read it today, I, I had a feeling that my nieces really didn't understand that, yeah. you know, that struggle or that it was that recent. You know, that's so what I was thinking when you were saying that. I'm sorry to interrupt, but when you were saying that, I was like, oh my gosh, it makes me think like that's just happened. Like that's, yeah. you know, it just happened. And it, we, there are, you know, it's a few generations that are there, they're removed enough from it that it seems so ancient to them. But it's your right. lifetime. You have experienced this and, and paved the way. And I think we can look back sometimes and laugh at the shoulder pads and the trying to be a man. People will poo poo uh -huh. that. I've seen that happen. And it's like, Wait, women didn't invent those dress codes, though. Someone else was inventing them for us when we were going to the office, right? I mean, I remember my mom being written up because she wasn't wearing pantyhose, and she worked in a in a data warehouse with no windows and no clients coming in. And she had to have closed-toed shoes, and she had to have the business jacket. She had to have four pieces to her outfit, and her pantyhose were one of the pieces. 
Oh my god! She got written up that. for it. She got written up for it. <laughs> oh and she got written up because she got a run in her hose and she took him off at lunch. Yeah. Talk about <laughs> subtle, you know, control. So much, not even sexual. subtle, total sexism, right? Yeah. yeah. Discrimination, yeah. She got written up when we called her, when she, we called her, we'd be home between school and her getting home from work for that two hours and we would call her and be like, you know, can we do this or can so-and-so come over to play or whatever, trying to be good children and she's trying to be a good mom uh-huh. from a distance and she got written up because we called her too many times. That's that's real sexism. Yeah. That's sexism. Yeah. Okay. Sadly, that might still happen. You know? And it and might still that happen. That's that true. Young mm-hmm. girls don't understand sometimes is that unless they stay vigilant, unless they're careful, it's easy to backslide on all of this. We're seeing yep. it happen are. in so many areas of our government in terms of health care, in terms of yep. women's rights. And, you know, I, I wasn't a strident Betty Friedan girl, but I do believe that um, it's been a long time for women to be taken seriously. And it, it be, I was even to the point, I never joined an all-women's group before. Okay. Now I believe with you. I yeah. wouldn't because I felt like, you know, I used to write pension booklets for these weird little segments and it'd be like the bald-headed butchers of Moline or something. And I thought, <laughs> as soon as you call a group out and put them over here, they're less than. Yep. So true. I always felt like I don't need to go to a women's business group. I need to go to a business group okay. and I need to be considered a business person. Yeah. So I felt very strongly about that. But more and more as I've, you know, sort of hit retirement age, I realized that there are so many women who are not getting what they need from those organizations. And there's, you know, just not the whole um, sexual harassment in the workplace, so many yeah. things going on make it really hard for people to find mentoring relationships that really work for them. And so I think women really have to step up in that mentoring role. And yeah. I've done a lot more of that. That's wonderful. I love it. Okay. <clears throat> so I, you know, I, I love how these conversations, this is why Jade and I were talking about this in the past. She's like, what kind of questions will you ask? And I was like, I do not script the questions, right? We're going to talk about this topic, right? And we know we love it because we have great conversations. But even in our lunches, we have never really talked about this like piece of this, right? And it's so, it's so impactful. And I think it's really, really important for especially younger women listeners who are young adults, right? And who are going into the workplace to, to not take it. I mean, I don't want to try and put stuff on you and be like don't take it for granted you know be grateful for what you have but on the other hand I kind of want to be like 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 you're saying don't let it backslide like stay vigilant you know like this has been this has been one and 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 it's not just up to the women of course right it's not at all just right. up to the women oh, right yeah I think the women have a tightrope to walk though to mm-hmm. not to be vigilant but not strident yeah you know? what an be unfair strong. thing yeah <laughs> A woman who's strong in the workplace is considered a bitch. A man yeah, who's strong right. in the workplace is considered a leader. Yep. Now, wait a second. You know? I know. And I know that's changed and somewhat better now, but it can't be that much better when you look across the managers or the senior people in an organization and don't see as many women as men. Yep. Look at um, board reports and look at who's on the boards of major corporations and there's a token woman or two. Yeah. You know, it just isn't where it needs to be. We're not obviously, you know, 
suffering from the Taliban or anything, right. but we still right. have. But the fact that the Taliban should. still can be really ruling in parts of the world, right? Like that alone. Yeah. I mean, globally, yeah. we have so yeah. much to do. Yeah, so much to do. Um, yeah, okay. I have to take another station identification break, but I could keep going on this with you forever. <laughs> Listeners, you are listening to Tune In on 103.1 FM WVLP. Our show is underwritten in part by Unity of Northwest Indiana, currently developing the premier center for spiritual growth and education in NWI, with meditation walks and retreat house events, a peace park, and even more to come. Learn more and support the growing movement at unitynwi.org. I am your host of Tune In, Keela Parkinson, and we are talking with Jane Lump, who is a communications extraordinaire and the author of Run With Scissors, a book that is just out now. You can get it on a Kindle version. You can get it on Amazon.com. You can get your paper copy, and you can flip through and, and bookmark all these wonderful exercises and things that Jane teaches on how to really have a visceral aha moment of self-identity, of finding your passion, of coloring outside of the lines sometimes on purpose and running with those scissors, um, metaphorically and literally, just, you know, it like find a way to take the right kinds of risk. And so um, I keep mentioning this, this piece, this, um, because I, because I, as a writer, I love this, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I had this syndrome too, that first draft, perfect draft. Tell us the story that you told in the book about, about that moment. Well, I think I grew up in a household where things had to be perfect, Mm. or I mean, that was the standard, right? And my father was very much a perfectionist. God love him. He was a very wonderful, loving man, too. But he had a perfectionist tendency. We had the nicest yard, the fanciest sidewalks, you know, we everything he did was with a great deal of perfection. And what I came to realize is that perfection is a a blessing and a curse, right? So being a perfectionist means you're a great employee. Being a perfectionist means you're a crappy boss sometimes Ah. because you never can move beyond. So in, in teaching writing, there was a term that it was called first draft, perfect draft. And it was, um, talked about the fact that you get hung up in thinking that your first draft has to be perfect and it's it's like that branching we were talking about before Mm -hmm. you start shutting down roads to other things because you can't keep your your linear thing going perfectly what you're writing because there's too many new ideas popping into your mind so i when i first wrote and i i just had a conversation on facebook with my first grade friend Kathy Miracle about this because <laughs> Hi, Kathy. We, had, we had a thing for um for fountain pens mm. and peacock blue ink cartridges because Kathy was the coolest and she had peacock ink and so then I had to have <laughs> peacock ink too so anyway you would start with a sheet of paper and you're supposed to write an essay or write something and maybe it was even just copy a sentence mm. over and over again but you write a couple things and you'd mess up you know you'd smear the ink you'd spell something wrong you'd make an l that's wanky looking yeah and so i tear that paper up and throw it away and i'd start again wow and then i you know and i'd tear it up and start again because i wanted my page perfect i couldn't mm. there wasn't white out really but I, but so that was the kind of child i was and mm. then i grew into that kind of a writer thinking okay i'll start at the beginning and i'll write 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 right and when i first started at the consulting firm we wrote longhand on big legal pads, okay. um, booklets about your dental plan or whatever, and then we handed them to a centralized word processing group, and right. that group took them and typed them up. Okay. Well, 
writing those was hard for me because I'd get a certain place. I'd oh, if I would talk about that first. Mm-hmm. So I actually would cut with scissors and cut oh. new paragraphs in. So I was the official early cut and paste yeah. model. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a whole revolution to me when we could write on the computer ourselves. And yeah. Then, you know, but first of all, you had to have a bunch of commands to cut and paste. Right, right. right. Cut DOS paste. commands, but, yeah. But then it all <clears throat> swings to the other side, right? Where you keep thinking, I don't know, I can't, you know, what about this and what about that? And and in writing the book, I was having some of that trauma that, you know, I mm. think, oh, well, wait, I should have talked about, oh, what about this? Yeah. And then I, and I ended up, it was first called Lessons from the Heart. And I had all these lessons, and it's. I started it in 1987, and okay. at least I go back and I can find an entry in my journals from 1987 where I'm saying I need to write a book. What wow. about lessons from the heart? Very cool. But then one of the things under that one of, a chapter head was run with scissors. Mm. So I was thinking about risk and what you get out of risk back then. Yeah. So I've been working on this book a long time. And it had several iterations. But what finally happened was I realized that Run With Scissors was one of the things, but there were a bunch of things like that. And, you know, so if ever, if all your friends jump off a bridge, will you? You know, so all of those things that your parents or the wise elders in your life told you, um, maybe if you second-guessed them, maybe mm. if you take a look at the other side, maybe there's something you're missing because of that. And it was a delicate thing for me because I have wonderful parents, you know, and I certainly wouldn't want to disparage them in any way. They did an absolutely great job of raising me and my four brothers and sisters. And um, on the other hand, you know, they came out of World War II. They Mm -hmm. came out of a scarcity mindset. They really wanted um, the most for their kids. So they wanted us to do well. And they were, you know, fairly disciplined in all of that. And they wanted to create a perfect life. I think that was sort of the 1950s, 60s, you know, mantra. Yeah. So it sometimes meant that, you know, they were hard on us. It sometimes meant that we didn't get to do things that other people did because in their mind it was too risky, you know? And so the things like, if everyone else jumps off the bridge, will you? That would be something that I would hear, you know? Right, me too. And so, it, it, that's the whole thing where you go, you know, some of the people who jumped off the bridge had a great time on the way down. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. If, yeah, it depends. <laughs> are they jumping for what reason? Yeah. <laughs> are we, are we, yeah. And how, how high is the bridge and how yeah. deep is the water? Yeah. Are there rocks? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of ways to sort of mitigate the risk. Yeah. But we, we tend to get the all or none messages sometimes. And I think they're in us whether we, you know, acknowledge them or not. So I always tell the story that my father was an insurance man. So he absolutely understood risk, right? He was a property and casualty agent, had his own agency. And his whole thing was, what's the likelihood you're going to die from this? Okay. (laughs) That's how I calculated everything. (laughs) So I didn't get my driver's license till I was a senior in college because when I was riding with him, it was not a good situation. He bought me a car and he drove it home and put it in the 
thing. It was a big impellent, you know. Okay. And I think the first thing, or at least the first thing I remember him saying about is, this is proven to sustain the least damage in a collision. Okay, right. <laughs> so I sort of approached driving as, when is my collision going to happen? Ah, you know? yeah. <laughs> a whole different mindset. Yeah. That, so one of the things I'm writing the book is I wanted to take some of those things and ask people to step back and look at them a little differently. I also, you know, went to a Catholic school where there was, where right and wrong was very black and white. Yeah. But it also taught me, you know, you talk about meditation and mindfulness. We went to mass every morning. We sat in the pews and had to be quiet and still for a while before it started. I had that meditation time and I didn't know it. I mean, I think a lot of kids didn't get to do that. And we did. And I remember thinking during that time, like, who made up the word God, Mm. you know, is if God was first, did he name the sky? Did he make it blue? Yeah, yeah. Where did the word blue come from? So my love of language goes back to, you know, being a six year old at first grade, and thinking, you know, how did somebody figure out that's a tree? And then when I started studying linguistics in college, I realized that you know, there sort of is this thing, this feeling that there's chaos and you start studying myth and you figure within the chaos, we have to make order because that's how man comforts and makes sense of things Mm. and creates a security for himself. So if you walked out every day and banged against something, uh, after a couple of days, you might call it a tree. And then, (laughs) and then in your mind think, go around the tree. Yeah. 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 that's sort of how I understood language from early on and made me then study linguistics in my PhD program. Yeah. It, it's always been a love of how we learn, how we um, use words to shape our reality and what sort of holds us back. What can we unthink or rethink that would give us more clarity? It's so cool. You know, <clears throat> we've been talking about sort of the, um, the way that you make the brain all work and how we can be very insightful in this way that we're, we're using our hands also with a lot of the exercises you have in the books. And so I want to talk about mind mapping because like, you know, you've mentioned that a couple of times. You got to hold the visual up. For anybody who is only hearing the audio portion of our interview, I would love to like be able to describe for them a little bit about like what a mind map looks like. You know, you because you talk about like it's sort of like everything, right? You're not necessarily organizing it. And yet it looks so pretty when it's finished. And it does have a sense of order. Just like you said, the pattern emerges. So tell people some, just a few, because there are so many ways you can mind map. Tell people some things that we can do with that. Well, a starter exercise I often do with a client or in my workshops is to tell people draw a circle and put eight lines coming off the circle. So it looks like a spider. Mm, (laughs) Okay. In the middle of the circle, put what you want your map to be about. So in the middle, you might write um, breakfast. Okay. You know, and then on the spikes coming out, what are the words that you associate? Bacon, start, you know, calories, you know, they could be all all kinds of things, right? So you've written eight things on there and then you look. And some of them are sort of the obvious, you know, Mm. bacon, kind of the obvious. But if you take that the next branch out and branch a branch off of that so one of the things in mind mapping is you're only putting one word on a line Mm. and you do that because it gives you the space to put new words to connect so instead of writing a big sentence about bacon is really good for breakfast (laughs) you put 
vacant mm-hmm. and then you can write good mm-hmm. and then you can write breakfast mm-hmm. you know so you're you can keep branching and the branches sort of loosen your mind not to form a form too soon you know not to have premature organization yes so you're going out and what's interesting is you might end up and i'll have people who sit there and go oh, you know i can only get three okay and then there's another person across from them who is like yeah and i ask always so who has 10 or more who has 15 who has 25 and there's always you know a big achiever in the crowd but those are the people who are already sort of facile and and able agile and able to think um in radiating patterns so i believe it's something you can teach yourself to do Mm -hmm. and i think there's a real value in doing that so you use branching you put one word on a branch, you put an image in the middle, you know, so we wrote a word in the one I just described, but oftentimes I'll work with a client and eventually we'll draw a picture in the middle. So um, there's a mind map in the book and it's about the value of mind mapping. And so what, what are the branches? You know, the branches are, you can work with groups, you can work with individuals, it's visual, it's yes. color. Yes. There's, again, science around the fact that when you're talking in images and in words it's more powerful that color stimulates thinking you know that the colors you pick um have something to say about what you're what is really coming out i mean i'll step back with people after we filled a large tabloid sheet of paper with things that they have on their mind the day they come to see me and ask them if there's anything that surprises them and almost always there is and then I'll ask them to take a yellow highlighter and highlight two or three things that they feel they want to go deeper. Mm-hmm. You know, where do they want to set up a plan to work on this, learn more about this, you know? And so they might come to me saying, I need a resume, or they might come to me saying, I hate my job. Uh-huh. But later, we're really looking at their whole life and we're looking at, you know, what are the things that give them joy and what are the things that, um, give them clues about their purpose. A question I like to ask is when's the last time you felt that you were just running on all cylinders mm. that you were like, yay, I'm getting out yeah. of bed. I can't wait. I'm doing this thing. And that whether that was, you know, decorating for Christmas or making cookies or, you know, starting a new book or going to work on a day when you know you're going to be really busy. Those are all things that give you a clue about what puts you in flow, what puts yep. you in that state where you're really experiencing what you're meant to do and and having so it's not just being the happiest it's not just being the um, most uh, fun or the most comfortable it's what is it that makes you really feel that you found you that help that makes you feel that you found your purpose and Mm -hmm. so that's why the subtitle of the book is you know, a guide to taking risks to discover your purpose. Because, mm-hmm. and the thing I think is interesting is a lot of people talk about, well, let's get to our purpose, three steps, got it, yeah. okay, done. Yeah. Well, I never <laughs> knew a purpose that lasted more yeah. than a few days at the most. You know, I mean, that is a um, a continual process, right? Yeah. And if you're, if you're a lifelong learner, which I believe is like the essential for people, um, then you're kind of rethinking and redoing that over and over again. And I've kept journals since I was in high school. Um, I don't write every day for sure. Okay. And I don't um, think that that's the only way to do it. But I have kept them because 
I it's writing is where I work things out. Sometimes writing is where I record and writing when I can look back and see that I've made progress is a really good tool. And mind maps can sort of do that for you too. I do a mind map at the beginning of every year. I do a vision board and those couple things. Um, I just was talking to one of my clients in Indy the other day and she said, you know, I just redid my mind map and it, I, now I've got three years and it's so amazing how much growth I have. Well, you know, many people live their life sort of in a lane focused on the the stripes in front of you and really never get that bigger picture mm. and that bigger picture can be so reassuring and so informative yeah. in helping you figure out what what small i always tell people too you know you you're traveling anyway and so say you're traveling from you know valparaiso to cleveland you can travel really efficiently and you can be really focused on your gas mileage and the time and you know your route and potty stops and all those kind of things and say man but if in the end you ended up in cincinnati instead of cleveland it wasn't a very good trip yeah yeah so there's this need to be focused on the immediate but also have a long-term direction in mind so that you don't sort of end up somewhere you don't want to be that's really really i love that the whole thing i just and the mind mapping is so amazing like you know i'm sure that you have people who are great at this in the different workshops and i have seen especially people with add really excel at this right to be able to use this as their type of organization because they are more likely to have an idea mid-thought if they're giving a presentation that takes them completely off track and they can somehow think of or access their mind map as quote notes and be like get themselves back on track without really seeming to need much recovery time right and so like and it, and it's like like you said they're thinking like in these great like radiating spirals anyway you know and so it's like I love it. It's so it's so interactive and so immersive and, and so many people really benefit from that. So that's just one of the amazing tools that Jane shares in this great book, Run With Scissors. Listeners, you are listening to Tune In Radio for Your Mind, Body and Soul, <clears throat> excuse me, on WVLP 103.1 FM in Valparaiso, Indiana, streaming live around the world at WVLP.org. I am your host, Keela Parkinson, and our show about mindfulness or mini mindfulness, as we like to say, is underwritten in part by Unity of Northwest Indiana currently developing the premier center for spiritual growth and education here in NWI with meditation walks and retreat house events, a peace park, and even more to come. Learn more and support the growing movement at unitynwi.org. We are talking with uh, business coach, communications coach, uh, life coach, and um, and professional communicator Jane Lump, who is the author of the book Run with Scissors, which is available on Amazon.com. You can find it under her name, Jane, J-A-N-E, Lump, L-U-M-P, and you can find it under the title Run with Scissors, and you can get your electronic or your paper copy, which I say pick that paper up and put it in your hand and flip through and start doing these great exercises <clears throat> where Jane is training your brain uh, to really have some great powerful insights and not only are you talking about all these different great things we can do like vision boarding and mind mapping and all kinds of other amazing things but also you're really teaching us critical thinking and I just think that's a skill that we don't teach enough these days, right? You know, <clears throat> you're saying like, when am I assessing the risk? When am I deciding to go ahead and go against that lesson I was taught? When am I going to go ahead and just use my own prefrontal cortex and say, I'm making the decision that this risk is worth taking. And then I'm going to find the gifts. I'm going to maybe trip and stumble a little bit. I'm going to assess that damage and, and you know, renegotiate and, um, and be resilient. And I just think that is 
great brain growth. That's neuroplasticity. And so of all the life lessons Jane has for us, the main one is keep learning and trying, right? Like, be, like use your neuroplasticity because you talked about wearing that groove in the path in the forest and like, you know, yes, then you get that groove. And, um, you know, maybe there's a really great other route to the forest that has all the amazing delicious berries you're missing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one of the chapters is don't um, talk to strangers, right? Mm. So your people, your parents, your elders told you don't talk to strangers. And yet some of the best life lessons I've gotten have been talking to strangers yeah. on a plane. I was fun, you know, just a, something. Um, there's one, don't get too big for your britches. Ah. You know, and I'm not, I say very quickly, I'm not talking about a diet program. I'm talking <laughs> about the fact that if you don't try things that you think you're, that you think you're not good at, yeah. you'll never know. You don't um, be uh, an amateur you can't be an experienced person. So getting too big for your britches is really um, not a shameful thing. It's a really cool growth thing. Yeah. But sometimes we feel that other people are going to judge us. It's be, it's paying too much time to the outer voices and not enough time to the inner voices. Oh, so, so sad. So yourself, trusting your inner voice. Those yeah. are all the messages. And they're all told with stories from my life or stories of people that I've coached. And I have been... Since the book is out, came out on Friday, I've been, you know, calling. I talked to most of the people I coached and kind of interviewed them and got some where are you today and what's going oh, on. Good. But kind of not everybody. When I sat down and made a list of all the people that I refer to in the book, um, and I never use anyone's name, okay. so but um, there were quite a lot. So I've been making calls going, oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw the book yet, but you might want to look at page 45, you know, because <laughs> How cool. you may see someone you know. Because <laughs> honestly, um, all the stuff I'm sharing is stuff I learned from other people or stuff yeah. I observed in other people. And why... You know, sort of how you can look back on it and go, ah, that made all the difference, you know, or thank goodness they tried this or um, it wasn't clear at that point where mm, this was going right. to end up. But look where it is today, you know, oh, so, cool. so that's what I want people to keep a perspective on is that, you know, you get to run, you can get to pick as many scissors as you want. Yeah. You can do it over and over again. And the, the cover of the book has a child or an image hands with a whole bunch of scissors in them and that's because you know you don't just get one you can run and run and run you can pick as oh, many I races as you want I love that too right I that and that, I love that visual it's like run with all the scissors like don't just run with scissors run with yeah. all the scissors <clears throat> so Jane also has I want to say something else to our listeners because um, this is the part they're, they're going to um to also be able to interact with. And that is, Jane has another great tool that she has published and uh, sold and shared for many years that our listeners are going to get a gift of. They're getting the opportunity to win the gift uh, in a contest we're going to be running. And we will give you more details about that as well. Um, so keep listening to the station and to um, go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash tune in mindful radio. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have like quite the whole like Midwestern seasonal allergy thing going on today. So <clears throat> sorry for all of the throat clearing. Um, but um, we we do have the 
these wonderful journal cards that Jane Lump has created. And um, they are wonderful, beautiful visual prompts to get you writing, to get those juices flowing, to use your journal interactively to learn more of these life lessons. And I'm sure there is a great dovetail between some of the things there and some of the things in the book. So they're really great support of the book also. So pay attention because listeners, we're asking you to do a couple of things. We're asking you to share our information. Um, We're asking you to like and subscribe and share our information. We're asking you to reach out to us and let us know that you've done that. Excuse me. And we're also asking you to share with us your stories of Kumbaya. And if you haven't heard our Kumbaya episode, go to the podcast and listen to the, the Kumbaya stories episode. We're asking you to share some of these stories, just like Jane has done in her book, the stories that have been transformative for her, the stories of your life that have been transformative, the stories where you've seen miracles happen. And it's been this amazing Kumbaya story in this amazing way. So if you're able to do those things with us, uh, we are going to reward 10 people with these journal cards and um, that Jane has so wonderfully provided for our show and um, you're going to love them, love them, love them. Like she mentioned, she journals, but it doesn't have to be every day. People who think they have to journal every day. Oh, what do you think when you hear that, Jane? You know what? I think diary and a diary Uh is a different thing. A Mm -hmm. diary is I got up, I brushed my teeth, I had an egg breakfast. You know, who cares? Who cares? (laughs) Why are we documenting that? Yeah. (laughs) What I've been journaling over the years is that you know, I would see something. I always use an example. I would see these. I walked out to put the garbage out one day, and the, on the side of the drive, I saw these little heads of crocuses. Ooh, and they yeah. were just, they were like chartreuse green and huh. just curling out of the soil. And I was like, ooh, look at those, you know. And I went in, and I started my journal. And, and so I thought, oh, those little heads of crocuses, weren't those amazing? Well, that went into like a three or four page entry about, and I'm sort of in the same place. I want to start something new, but I'm a little afraid and I'm clinging to the warm soil. And when will I pull my head out and actually Mm. trust the sun is going to be there? And, you know, it was very um, insightful to me because I hadn't thought that morning when I got up that I was thinking about that at all, but it sort of tapped into something inside me. So I tried to write prompts that would help you tap. I went back through my journals and found little things that you know, um, triggered me to have good memories or yeah. good um, observations. And I put those all, and I had bought over the years, lots, everybody, buy, when I teach journal workshops, I go, oh, I have a beautiful journal, but I don't want to write in it. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Pretty. It's too pretty to mark up. <laughs> I know. Or you write, I would write one day and then I'd take a razor and carefully mm. cut that out because I decided the next day it was stupid. But and the other thing is they make journals <laughs> they make journals that have something at the top you're supposed to write. Yes. So I buy those the flip not that, not that. Not yes, 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 me too. <laughs> and I don't feel like talking yeah, about any right. of those things. Yeah. So I just wanted to do cards because cards you can shuffle and pick and there's 48 different prompts in the cards and you can flip it over and do what's on the front or the back and you can just draw one and make yourself write about that or you can, you know, find one that inspires you that day, but it's much more flexible and so um, it helps. I've got a couple really great, I have Writing to Yourself is a Facebook page I have and writingtoyourself.com is the website for, but I have um, a couple very loyal people on the Facebook page who always comment and always um, say things and are really good journal writers. Mm. I, I ebb and flow, you mm-hmm. know, I was kind of busy on the book for a while. My journal yeah. suffered for that, but, yeah. um, but that's, that's okay. Yeah. You know, if you don't write in it for six months, you can pick it up and write in it whenever you're ready. So 
when I say I have journals from, you know, seriously the seventies, yeah. you would think that would take a room in my house, but it's not. I mean, it's, <laughs> I do too, I, Jane. I have I, journals going back to the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> when I first started writing in cursive. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. okay. I decided I'm going to write a timeline of my life, you know, yeah. so I put, I was born and this happened, this okay. happened. And I flipped the page, this happened, this happened. I flipped the page, this happened. And then when I look back at it, I went, wow, yeah. every seven years, whether I needed it or not, I created or had some big upheaval in my life. Ah, I changed careers, I changed jobs, I changed, yeah. you know, and honestly, that's a pattern I would not have been able to see just mm-hmm. in my normal memory. So one of the things I think is that it allows you to go back and see some patterns and observe yourself. Most people will say, they see how much better they've gotten, or they see how much stronger they've gotten. I've um, done them with people overcoming addiction. I've, you know, done the journal workshop with different kinds of people, and um, you know, it's just very insightful when, and when you're not, you know, I, I talk about in the entry or the intro about you know thinking that posthumously it's going to be found and i always kind of considered mine would be posthumously found because (laughs) i oftentimes you know just sort of make fun of myself or find out something Mm -hmm. funny about myself when i'm writing my journal so um it's a great place to limber up and stretch Oh, I love that. I love that too, right? That whole, because again, we're, we're, we're ending on the same note we started where this is so visceral, you know, and you're, it's like a mental, you're doing this mental exercise, but you're doing it so viscerally. And that's so insightful. It's so profound. It creates the lasting change in those neuronal pathways that we're looking for. Jane Lump, this has been so fun chatting with you on TuneIn and learning about their journal cards and run with scissors and these wonderful life lessons you have for us and chaos theory and how it impacts all of it. I love it. We talked about everything today. The tabs open in my brain. I, I love it. Oh, I love it. Keep the tabs open. This is so wonderful. Jane, tell people in addition to Amazon and writingtoyourself.com where they can connect with you. Um, so I am at running with scissors at stratinnovation.com you also can find the book on target.com and on barnesandnoble.com if you just put in jane lump run with scissors it should pop up Um, my publisher also has it on their website but i i've been sort of steering people to amazon because you know Mm -hmm. amazon ranking is gone i know right Amazon the better and yeah. you can get both the Kindle version and the print version there so Perfect. but as Keila pointed out the print version is the worksheet pages are yeah. made so that you can actually write there the the um, author or the publisher said well we might have a blank page I go I love books with blank pages yeah. Add them. when I really read a book I write all over Me the too. book right I want to later be able to open it and see what I was thinking when I read that part and so there's plenty of room to do that which I think is a really I love it. Okay. Thank you for helping us map our minds. Thank you so much. And we will see you later, meditators. (laughs) Bye. Bye.